Live from the back of a giant, heaving, steampunk spider, this is Austin Danger Podcast, the only randomly curated Austin Powers podcast on the internet. I'm Kevin. As always, I'm joined by super producer extraordinaire Mackenzie Wilkes. Howdy. Kenzo, look, sometimes we hit record (laughs) and it's like, man, I can't wait, right? Let's get into it. And other times, and other times, right? I think you'll agree. Mm -hmm. It's times like this. (laughs) so all year so far and there has been much of a year but you know like eight weeks or so is more than you'd you'd think i think all year i think you could sort our movies into two bins yes there's the greatest movies of all time aliens right this is spinal tap i mean Mm -hmm, i think freaky mm -hmm. friday sure yeah freaky friday the other bin The other bin is, I call it, the death of cinema, colon, will we ever smile again? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think you'll agree that Wild Wild West by Barry Sonnenfeld had me asking myself, will we ever smile again? (laughs) You know... I'm at the point, I know it's really just been North and wild, wild West, but I'm at the point where I'm, I'm ready to call the wheel homophobic. There is a targeted attack (laughs) happening. uh, Somehow. I know you're not queer, but (laughs) something is happening. The wheel is, I think plotting against us in some, in some fashion. I don't know what's happening and I'm terrified. Will we ever smile again? I ask Doubtful. Doubtful. We'll find out at the end of this show. But first, Kenzo, I have to I have to follow up on a movie that we talked about a whole lot, and it di- came and went, disappeared, came out over Christmas. It was not shown at any festivals. It was not particularly heavily advertised either. It's the color purple, mm, mm-hmm. the adaption of the musical of the movie of the book, of course, <laughs> yes. Alice Walker's classic. Um, and I'll be real. We talk a lot about movie musicals and the state of the movie musical mm-hmm. and all this, but rare, you know, and it's one thing to see advertising that's afraid of a movie being a musical, right? Like um, in the VHS village last night, a review of mean girls went up and I'm not going to name the person because I, I don't saw know who that, they are, but the review was spoilered. Click the spoiler. I didn't know this was a musical. What a great surprise. I also saw that and was I was happy to see that. I was like, I'm glad for that person. It was a it was a good thing. I think that's the one person who had a happy surprise moment at that. But like the I'll make to make that point. Like, if you hate a musical, you're um, a coward. I'm ready to say it. I'm ready well, to say it. I, I'm saying that to say Color Purple tries to solve this problem in the movie by <laughs> shortening songs and writing new short songs that aren't really songs. They're just like choruses that go about a minute and a half with some intense choreo. It is one of the weirdest movie musicals I've ever seen. And it's not good. That sucks. Cause like, I, you know, I feel like it got really shafted with its press. Right. And the strike was a huge factor of that. And a lot of people, like, I think it, you know, it's awards chances felt kind of shot in the foot because of how pushed back it got, how kind of unsupported it was. But then, yeah, it kind of, it came out, it had actually a solid Christmas opening in terms of box office. Uh, and then it just, it, it whimpered away. And so, uh, and I've been hearing similar things to what you're saying that it like, it, 
changes too much from the stage show to be an effective take on the stage show, but it's also not the book. It just feels muddy. It, it feels like, who was this for? Why was this made in the way it was? Like, I, I hate that because that cast is so talented and awesome that like, yes. I wish it's like you assembled a perfect cast and then you just did do it right. Like that's so annoying. It's like Daniel Brooks and Fantasia come in and the movie comes to life. Right. And, and listen, the yeah. whole cast is great. Coleman Domingo. Great. Halle Bailey. We've talked her up to death on the show. Alleged, She's great. You know, et cetera, et cetera. But like the movie really comes to life with them and then they go right back to the same old shit. <laughs> so you have to watch these people giving like career best performances, performances that have been nominated for awards and, and, and recognized and stuff. But they're drowning in this movie that does not want to be the thing that it very much is. Um, so silly. I think they should have just I think they should have just remade the original the Spielberg if mm. they wanted to do that instead of whatever's going on here where you take a little bit here, you take a little bit there. Um, and, but, and if they want it to be a bold new take on the original or whatever, which is the tagline of the movie, I yes. think it should have been a bold new take and not this middle ground. And I'm saying this, and the craziest part about all this, the twist to all this is that I don't know anything about those other versions of the color purple. Mm. I'm just speaking from like kind of hearing from my girlfriend about what was cut and then just feeling it watching it of like i'm missing this i need that why is this like this i've already forgotten these songs and you know the other the difficult truth also is that i did not think the songs from the show were like incredible so like why did you replace them with like grunting song or walking down the street song <laughs> or like write two other verses for this song that that I've never heard and now I've forgotten already. It's difficult to talk about on a podcast because I've remembered so little of it. It's a two and a half hour long movie. Jesus, that runtime for yeah, a movie that feels middling. I but like it, it, Las Colchuristas had a really interesting chat about it because like I also have not seen the original stage production outside of a few numbers like the Tony performance. I remember being really good, sure, and sure, sure. things like that. But um you know, obviously they're big Broadway heads and they were able to talk really, I feel like very intelligently about the differences of like, uh, there seems to be a, a pivotal scene that they, I, I loved hearing them talk about how that was messed up in the film and how by the changes they made, they, the, the filmmakers inadvertently cut a lot of the emotional core of multiple characters. So it's like, yeah, it, it just breaks my heart. It really breaks my heart that it was done so dirty. And what's most unfortunate, I think, is the very end of the movie is really beautiful and really emotional. And you're supposed to be like weeping. And instead, I was just like, fuck really? you. Yeah. <laughs> you can't have it. You didn't earn it. You can't have it. So, Kev, other than The Color Purple, did you check out anything else? What else did I watch? You know, I didn't watch a whole lot. I watched like a whole bunch of chunks of stuff. I just could not keep my attention this weekend. I don't know what mm. happened. We're watching Masters of the Air, which is a great show. Uh, I don't know if people have maybe heard about that. It's the Apple TV Plus show. Again, Apple TV Plus, the official streaming service of Austin Danger Podcast. <laughs> um, it's the one with Austin Butler and the naked guy from Saltburn. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's very clearly the little brother of Band of Brothers and the Pacific because mm. it's been so long and it's the third one. And it's very much in the same mold, but it looks beautiful. It's great to watch. It has the same, like, it's just as good as the war epics. It maybe doesn't have the emotional depth and like the, the 
real gut punch stuff, but that was the first time in Band mm-hmm. of Brothers, mm-hmm. and this mm-hmm. is the third. So I, I, I don't know what I, I don't know what I expected, but it's a lot of fun. We're really enjoying that. Traders, which we'll talk about in a few weeks, speaks for itself. Traders continues. But Kenzo, I feel like you got a couple things. So why don't you lay it on me? Yeah, I mean, I haven't watched a ton either. But like speaking of short attention spans or things not keeping your attention, I watched a lot of short films this week. Uh, oh, boy. That I need to. <laughs> What's the oh boy for? Oh, boy. Go ahead. No, I just. Really oh, no, I know these. what this is. I yeah. thought you watched the Academy shorts, not these. No, other no, 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 not. I've heard the Academy shorts uh, suck eggs. I've seen nothing but bad things about the animated ones, pretty much. Um, but no, I watched. I did watch an Academy Award nominated short. I watched Nine Nine Waipo, directed by Sean Wong. Um, oh, yeah. The Sean Wong Renaissance. On yes. Your uh, s- yeah. So I watched Nine Nine Waipo. I've known it's going to snipe me for a long time i have a lot of feelings about about grandmas uh from my own life and uh it's a it's beautiful right it's a beautiful little slice of life about director sean wong's grandparents and their lives together and them thinking about their mortality and aging but it's also so funny and sweet and heartfelt absolutely perfect absolutely the kind of thing i fucking love and um, I just love the way Sean Wong's camera looks. I love the, the style of the piece. I love the heart of the piece, the empathy, the curiosity that, that, that ev- it just bleeds off of this short film. Um, and then I found out when someone, I think, in the village was like, I wonder if I can watch more of his stuff. I was like, oh, let me look it up. All of his stuff is on Vimeo. And so I am trying to really boost this to people that most of his <laughs> short films are li- less than 10 minutes. And they're all incredible. And I watched all of them on his Vimeo. Uh, I watched uh, Hags, Have a Good Summer, Sunday, 3,000 Miles, and Still Here. Um, I, I first and foremost absolutely recommend 99 Waipo. It's Academy Award nominated. I hope it wins the, the Oscar. Um, it's on Hulu until like the end of the month or something weird, which is where I watched it. But it's also on Disney Plus if you have that, which I don't. So I watch on Hulu. Um, but out of the other ones, I mean, again, if you have just like an hour, even less, you want to just watch these, they're all great. But I recommend more than any of them. Hags, have a good summer. That was uh, where I just put my birthday thoughts. If you go read my review for that film, because it kind of is about um, young millennials. I say young millennials, even though I'm 20, 29, I'm on the tail end of a millennial. Um, it's kind of about that age of person, I guess, late 20s, early 30s and thinking about middle school and ruminating on your the way the world used to feel when you were that age both good and bad and it's it's structured as like a it's it's like animated almost with photos and uh yearbook writing and scribbles as he calls his old friends from middle school Sean Wong the audio is him calling his old friends and them just reminiscing about in it about middle school and it is so hilarious. There's a whole sequence where they talk about crazy shit they did on the bus. And if you were ever a kid who rode the bus, you will find it deeply relatable. But then, it, you know, it gets to the heart of it. It gets to the beauty of it. And uh, I loved that. His other one I would recommend out of the four additional ones I watched was Still Here from 2020. Uh, it's similar to 99 Waipo, so they go together pretty well in regards to it being like a documentary piece about this uh town this little village even in taiwan that is pretty much completely abandoned except for about three or four people who still live there and his grandmother 
uh, one of the, grand- the, the, the one of the titular grandmothers of Nainai and Waipo, she used to live there. And so he returns with her to look at her dilapidated house. But then he interviews the people who are still there. And it's this beautiful rumination on home and what home means and where, where home can be made and, and, and the displacement of people out of their homes uh, all in nine minutes. It's, I, I'm obsessed with Sean Wong. I'm obsessed with this kid. I, uh, our buddy Jay Carp, who has the most insane rating scale on Letterboxd history. If you know, you know, um, him and I went through all of these. We all, we both loved them. And he made a very funny review on one of them. That was, we'll be watching a career with much interest, uh, you know, a la Palpatine. That is how I feel about Sean Wong. His debut, not his debut feature, but his upcoming, I think it's his first narrative feature. Uh, Didi is coming out in July with focus features opening weekend my ass will be at a theater seat for dd i we everyone please take you owe it to yourself to check out these films and fall in love with this guy's work whoa whoa indeed and i guess the other thing i should mention is i did see the taste of things we we hyped it up the boiling of the ham (laughs) yeah i don't actually you know i've been talking a lot about boiled ham with the taste of things (laughs) i don't think that's i don't think that happens in that film i think if anything they boil beef or lamb they're they're france is a very beefy uh beef chicken and lamb mostly beef and chicken uh centered cuisine i would say um yeah, I, I liked it so much. I, I do not want to get into the spoilers of it. If you've seen the spoilers. Uh, the spoilers you can, of things? The spoilers of things. You can check out my review where I go into a little bit of depth why it's not a five banger all timer for me just yet. Uh, I It takes a turn in the third act that while I think is intentional and I I see the artistic value and what was maybe being aimed for with that turn, uh, it didn't quite work for me on a first watch and and ultimately brought the film down, leaving the theater. I had the same feeling with all the strangers where I liked so much of it, like 80% of it. And then the last little bit didn't click. And I kind of just leave with the sour feeling instead of the good feelings I had before. Sure. Um, so I really need to return to the taste of things. Cause again, like 90% of it, I, I loved it's my kind of shit. Romantic Julia Binoche is there. We're cooking food. It's glorious. Um, so it it it, it's, it is very much a McKinsey movie. You you mentioned it was in the kind of McKinsey canon. Um, I'm not sure if the, the the ending works for me, but that could change. I could see that changing one day. Maybe my my point of view will change, or my feelings will change, or just the way I see the world will change, and and that ending will hit differently. And I look forward to that day. But yeah, I recommend it. I think it's um, Julia Binoche. I think very correctly in, a, in an interview this week said it, it. It's been a little unfairly maligned as a movie um on the sole basis of not being anatomy of a fall you know the the two films were sort of pit to pit against each other right by by their government and by the oscars and <laughs> and uh it, it it i think it has been unfortunate for the taste of things which should be able to stand on its own as a lovely film and it, and it really is and while i prefer anatomy of a fall they're both wonderful incredible films that came out from france last year and i hope the taste of things um I hope more people get out and really see it. Cause I think I'm seeing a lot of people um, in, in my reviews, people coming through on my, on my feed, really connecting with it in ways they didn't anticipate, which I think is so lovely. I think it's a movie that can really sneak up on you if you let it. Hell yeah. I mean, I agree. <laughs> I think not being anatomy of a fall is a strike that I'll have to give every movie going forward. That's true. That's true. Which I'll wrestle with in my own time. <laughs> Oh, Kev. Well, perfect transition. I have to take it. Speaking of not being anatomy of a fall. 
news. What does it all mean, Basil? This is Austin News, the segment where we recap the news in the world of Austin Powers. And if you're a new listener, you may be asking, oh my God, a whole segment. (laughs) How much news do they usually have? Well, the answer is usually none. But this week, we do have a story. Molly Powell, writing for theindependent.co.uk, but also, like, there's something next to her name that says PA Real Life. And then there's things like He Tells PA, so maybe this was a syndicated article. Anyway, the journalist Molly Powell wrote a piece where she talked to friend of the show Richard Halpern, who is a full-time professional Austin Powers impersonator. Mm-hmm. Now, why now? I am not quite sure. <laughs> I have no I have idea. I have no idea. But this article, I highly recommend it. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'll put it in the show notes. It goes through his whole career. They, of course, give the whole status of Austin Powers, which, to reiterate, everybody thinks it would be a fun thing to do. Nobody seems to have the idea or the time or the desire. Yeah. That's the status. So... Richard said, I'd love for them to make a new movie and I'm the same age as Mike Myers. So I'll be doing it for as long as he's still around and I'm still around. It'd be very interesting to see what the story would be. And I've heard that it'd be more focused on Dr. Evil. That, that is a rumor. That is a rumor we've reported on. I, yeah. There is one fun fact in here that I thought was great. Did you know that Richard's first impression was of Dorothy Michaels from Tootsie? Wait, okay. I actually saw him post this on Instagram the other day. Yes, Isn't that wild? Right. I yeah. was like, I knew that already, but yeah, he, yeah it's it, so funny. It's a pretty good, it's a good drag look. He, 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 he has the look down. He posted it on Instagram. It was great. Well, all this to say, you know, this guy's been doing it since, uh, really like 1998, 1999 when he went to Gary Archer and got the teeth. He went, he went to Gary Archer McKenzie and got the, like real bona fide Austin teeth. He's got his groovy lines and he's been doing it for almost 25 years. It's incredible. I love that. It's incredible. Shout out to Richard for getting that, that uh, spotlight. It's great. <laughs> um, couple Austin nature podcast notes. There's still time to vote in the second annual Stanies, the Austin awards for excellence in cinematic, whatever the end of that is. Uh, what does that run until March 6th? Yes. March 6th is when we're recording. So pretty much we record at like 7.30 Central, 8.30 Eastern. Pretty much you have until like we start recording to, to get your votes in pretty much. That's true. And I haven't checked in a while. I haven't again, either. This is the kind of poll. This is the kind of poll where if just one person believes <laughs> in in one of about three people per category. <laughs> You you decide who wins. <laughs> Long road to hoe for the cocaine bear, I think. <laughs> like, look, I know in regular democracy, sometimes it seems hopeless. But the good news is that in Austin Age of Podcast Democracy, everybody is their own senator, congressman, and state representative. So get out there and have your voice heard. Hell yeah. Also, Kenzo, I hope I'm getting the timing of this right, but either... <laughs> But either this week or next week, we are guests on our buddy Scott's podcast. This is the greatest song I've ever heard in my entire life. Yes, we are. And we get, yes, I know you're asking right now with your mouth, do they get into this is me dot, dot, dot now colon a love story? And the answer is yes, we get into J-Lo's this is me dot, dot, dot now colon a love story. 
Yes, it's great. We loved it. I honestly was really leaning on that for like half of our content this week. So. <laughs> I know people were at what you've been watching, like where the hell is the JLo thing? Well, that's where it is. It's on another feed and you should go listen to it. Boy, did we watch that JLo thing? <laughs> oh man. I was making, I know I, I'll say on the episode, but I, I had to start and stop a lot because I was trying to make cookies. It was wild. Shout out to our, our friend Boom, who just put a five-star review through uh, for that, which never in doubt, never in doubt, Boom. Honestly, I was so into analyzing that. I was like, well, what's marry me? Is marry me her like, is Ben marry Affleck me, Owen Wilson? I think yes. so. Yo, what are we doing marry me on the pod? <laughs> An infamous five-star McKenzie movie that I, because I just had an incredible time in the theaters with that movie. Marry Me is one of the first what you've been watching memes of Austin Danger podcast because you yes. went to the theater and then I watched it like that day. So I could watch <laughs> movies in the yeah. middle of the day. Remember that? Oh my God. Yeah, I missed those Halcyon days. More. Wow. Well, as it turns out, uh, when you uh, get a job, <laughs> life <laughs> changes. Life comes at you fast. And speaking of life coming at you fast and having to take responsibility for your actions, Kenzo, we've pushed it enough yes i think it's physically impossible now to avoid talking about the wild wild west i'm terrified but we must persevere In the wake of the American Civil War. (laughs) 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 That's it. Wild Wild West. not gonna get back off the, the fucking train is off the rails <laughs> it is off the rails the orient express has plummeted um, <laughs> army captain jim west and Ar- artemis gordon his character's name i'm so sorry his character's <laughs> name is artemis gordon i did not I know went through this that. whole movie not knowing that oh. that's kevin klein wow just being himself um they team up they think they're looking for one guy but they're actually looking for kenneth brana who's like a steampunk scientist who has no legs and uh he's like a metallurgist okay mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. makes like tanks and all sorts of crazy shit um but this guy loveness it's kenneth brana with no legs he's got an ultimate weapon which is a giant robot spider and along with salma hayek who appears in the film they stop the spider now this may seem like i'm just glancing at wikipedia and throwing together the plot beats of wild wild west and you're correct but I would love for anybody to defy me a synopsis of this loud hell. They're looking for one guy. They find another guy. He's got a giant spider. They just, they take the spider. Awesome danger podcast at gmail.com. Write a clearer synopsis than that. Salma Hayek also appears. Finn. I could not tell where the review was ending. I was wait. It's like I thought it ended like four different times. It's like Lord of the Rings endings just keep happening over and over again. That's right. Well, I was hoping for a Lord of the Rings situation where the movie had <laughs> ended once, but no, it did not happen. It did not happen.
Kenzo, uh, hey. this obviously was a dual first watch. Is that correct? Yes. Never seen this. I also like, I don't know if I hold this as infamously as other people do. Like I had pretty much zero knowledge of the existence of this movie before maybe I saw a meme of it on Twitter and then promptly forgot about it. This is not a, in terms of uh, infamous film flops, this is not one that I think of very often because it's just so not in my brain at all. And I feel like it, it, it's more prominently memed in other people's lives. Totally over my head, I think, with Wild Wild West. You weren't a member of the Burger King Kids Club, I take it. I was not. I got some. I remember getting some cool stuff from Burger King, but I, I do not recall a time in which I got a Wild Wild West situation in my Burger King meal. The advertising. So this is how I know about it is that I was seven or something uh, a little too young, maybe to see wild wild west. Yeah. Okay. okay. My dad wasn't going to that. Is this for kids? Is this movie for kids? It's a great question. I will explore that in a moment. Okay. Like it was the kids meal for like the whole summer. So there was like a month and a half, two months where I would go to my grandparents' house and Burger King was what was closest. So we went there and I'd get the kids meal and there would be like the, toy robot spider and like all sorts of other cool stuff yeah i'm looking at pictures Um, and i remember at the time thinking that the movie looked neat but at that time i was really uh i would find that boring i was a cartoon person i i never watched power rangers i never really watched. well i like beetleborgs but like i would never commit to something like wild wild west as a kid Mm. unless it had like computer animated goo in it Kev, you can buy all of the Burger King Wild Wild West toys sealed on eBay for $15. Link me immediately. I'm not even joking. Link me. <laughs> I'm sending the link. Link me. I have to sign up for an eBay account to do this, but I may. Are you going to buy these Wild know. Wild West sealed Burger King toys? Well, the thing is, I already have so many. Oh, two of them are duplicates. Toys. So it looks like these aren't all of them. These oh, are just six toys. Fucker, what a world. But they're, they are highly yeah. available on eBay. You can find a this lot of these toys. This takes me back, man. Set of six toys with two duplicates. Yeah, a lot of Wild Wild West. I bet you they bought this. They took this stuff out, right? Whoa. They kept it sealed. This was also, remember, now this is me speculating, pulling it out of my ass. But this is like peak Furby, Beanie Baby, Tickle Me Elmo. Yes. Uh, Pokemon card. Everything's going to be worth a fillion dollars. Yeah, they did sell kids Jim West sunglasses. That's right. That is right so wild. Yeah, I mean, the toys I recall most is I remember the Spy Kids 2 toys being really cool. I don't know. I think that was McDonald's, though, because I was more of a McDonald's kid. It so was, yeah. I got, like, the Spy Kids toys. I remember the um The Inspector the Gadget that you could assemble Inspector yourself. Gadget. You could make a little Matthew Broderick. And the um the little Madame Alexander dolls for girls that they had like Wizard of Oz Madame Alexander minis that I used to get and be obsessed with and gosh what an era of toys I I watched a kind of like a mini doc about why places don't do toys like that anymore but like we were living in a golden age of of fast food toys yeah yeah and small soldiers uh, previous episode small soldiers. Burger King Kids Club classic. Flintstones. Flintstones. Adam's family. McDonald's. Adam's family. Tons of future episodes will have them too. Like, and I, I think it's all a matter of, uh, it's all Fortnite now. Yeah. Let me tell you, I'm uh, right now. I'm playing as Peter Griffin, but I think I may switch it up tonight to Paul Atreides to celebrate the new Dune movie. 
Wow. I mean, e- even Wendy's is just like, do you want a, a small cardboard puzzle? And it's like, no, what? Well, Wendy's Wendy's toys have always been mid. Even the movie tie-in <laughs> Wendy's toys have been mid. It's just that's the way it's always been. That's the code. Well, Kev, since we're talking about the kid stuff, I because you had mentioned this Burger King thing, I thought this was a kid not kids movie, but a movie that kids could watch. Um, immediately, like the horniest thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. With this opening scene alone of Will Smith, where you see the tip of his penis at one point. Yeah, that's right. And then it, you know, by laying putting her bare, unpantied butt and vagina on a table. And the camera zooming in on that, I was like, this is so, I could not believe this was ever moderately intended for children to see. Two things. Number one, Biling returning from Southland Tales. Yes. So I shout out to the veterans of queen. Southland Tales. God bless. We stand a queen. Um, <laughs> what did you think of when it, when it came time for us to do Men in Black? I'm really, really thrilled that we did Men in Black before we did this. Because yeah, I think do you it's think needed. That movies for kids. Now, listen, Wild Wild West mm. is another level, right? That's a hard PG thirteen. Um, yeah. In fact, I I don't know, man. <laughs> but like, they they were looking at this. The marketing blitz around this speaks to me like this is the next Men in Black. They are selling the iconic sunglasses that Augustus Gordon wore, right? Yeah, Will Smith bonding with an older, kind of old school actor, older white guy. They don't like each other first, but then they come together. And yeah, and then there's like a hot woman with zero character development. Like it, right. it does feel over the it top does feel like special steampunk. effects that look like they're yeah. breaking ground when in reality they look like, you know, it's been 20, it's been almost 30 years. I can't, you know. For their age, I think the spider looks okay. At the time, it looked amazing. Yeah. But anyway, no, I totally see what you mean. Like it's very structurally similar to men in black. I, the thing is men in black to me, I mean, obviously there's sexual jokes in there. I feel like he's in the other ones. From what I recall, there are more sexual jokes in the, in the future ones, but like to me, what makes men in black, maybe less ap- appropriate for kids is just the, the fear factor in that. Like we talked sure. about it, but like the, very scary. The, the aliens are scary in that. It's like, that's why I personally, like as a parent would probably not take my kid to men in black less from, Uh, any sexual connotations and more just because it's a scary kind of movie but this one is i just like the the opening scene with with uh will smith and unfortunately this this actress who's here for five seconds i don't know her name but she uh i don't know it just felt very adult immediately and so then i i tried to recalibrate and i was like okay maybe this is an adult movie and i i misjudged it but it did still feel like there was certain stuff like certain line deliveries kevin klein trying desperately to be funny so bad he's going to give himself an aneurysm oh will smith kind of doing his thing like it those parts feel catered to children but then there's these other parts that don't it's it's really discombobulating yeah i Kevin don't know klein, what they wanted Go ahead. good lord uh, kevin klein is so bad in this like oh, I, yeah. there was like a part where he was doing something i'm like he's gonna he's gonna have a heart attack he's trying so hard to be funny and failing so miserably I don't know who you could have, like maybe uh, late '90s Brent Spiner, but like you can't put him on a poster. All respect and love to Brent Spiner, but you can't say like coming this summer from Warner, it's Will Smith and Data. I mean, do you not? Do you know Brent Spiner? 
I, I looked him up. I do. I, I've not watched the show, but I know who you're referring to. I, I'm trying to think. It's like, yeah, like my brain was like, who's like an action guy that does comedy to me in that time? I think of Bruce Willis, obviously, who we love. And we've talked about him many times. But yeah. He's my, he's maybe too handsome for the role. I think yes, the guy, he's a this guy's supposed to be a nerd. Guy. Yeah. yeah. Like he's supposed to be like, a nerd David compared to the sexy Will Smith. Now keep in mind, the other half of the poster is 1999 Will Smith. Yeah. That's the issue. Right now, Tommy Lee Jones was coming off of The Fugitive. Right, Kevin Klein for that role on paper, yes, absolutely. But I think this falls into the problem of like, it's a similar problem to when your favorite creatives get a Netflix deal, and then Netflix expects to just give bring us more of the same thing you did over there, but they don't do the same things over at Netflix that they did over at say FX. So it's like this lame, greasy looking like facsimile of, for example, the Ryan Murphy shows on FX. Um, it feels like a hollow cynical copy of a, of a naturally good thing. And maybe that thing was that great by accident, as we'll see in future episodes, men in black two and three and international. Um, maybe that was an accident. Yeah. <sighs> Do you think Tim Robbins would be better maybe? Oh the, my uh... God. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's Tim Robbins. Like I think he it. wouldn't be trying as he'd be able to play the smart and not try as hard to be funny. Like, like I, I was trying to think of, of like who comes to mind. I think a Tim Robbins vibe. Cause he's not to like dog Tim Robbins looks, but he's, he's not traditionally handsome in a way that like, I think is needed for the role to play against the, you know, handsome Will Smith. And then like, yeah, I, I don't know. I, you know, I see what you mean by that. It just, I, the ingredients for this are interesting, right? Because I think that like steampunk cowboy shit is fun, right? Like I watched Firefly. I get it. I think it's a cool blending of like a alternate, you know, alternate America, right? Like obviously this this sort of steampunk, how deep we are into the steampunk in this world would not be the current you know America we're living in, especially at that time. But like it's a cool it's kind of fantastical, right? Which Barry Sonnenfeld is normally really good at, right? With Adam's family and, and things that like portraying these heightened realities, these, these are worlds that are a little bit, a little bit off. And so I'm rambling, but the ingredients are cool. The steampunk, the cowboy, um, Honestly, I think Will Smith is, once he stops trying so hard, he's actually pretty funny and good. And he's playing the action. Well, like there's ingredients in this that work for me, but like, it's just, yeah, it just totally, rake boom slam into the mouth <laughs> i don't want to get too far off also by talking about you know speaking of things oriented for children this kenneth branagh performance <gasps> now we'll hear from the number one kenneth branagh fan in our world later on in the mm -hmm. show mm -hmm. but this is discreet i don't even know like it's it's such in a way like i know branagh at this time as an actor and director. Yeah. You and I yeah. both know, right? He is at the height of his powers in Shakespeare, right? He can just do whatever he wants. He's, he's coming off to... of Hamlet, right? After, yes. Like, Hamlet was like right before Hamlet. this. So this is like a really hot time for him. He's in that Tommy Lee Jones spot of like just coming off a really big deal. And uh, he does fucking whatever this is, like cartoon villain and and it's in such a way like we know that he is at a point in his career where this has to have been the direction and the script there's no way there's no way he comes on set and he's like i'm gonna wear this wig and this makeup and say these words in this way on his own 
but wow, what a crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I a hundred percent agree with you. Have you seen the hunger games? Yes. 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 I'm just yes. now connecting. Is the Seneca crane beard inspired by Branna in this movie? Cause Seneca crane's beard kind of looks just like what Branna is doing in this. Which oh is my so... God. Yes. Oh my God. Right? I'm, Put this I'm on, on Instagram. That's like... <laughs> but like, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not the like, you know, biggest fan of Branna as an actor. We've talked about this, you know, we, I think he won me over a little bit more with Poirot, but when I watch other performances by him, he's not an actor that like I'm necessarily in love with. Um, but I don't think he's like an untalented person. Like I, you know, he's a classically trained British actor. He knows how to do what's asked of him. So yeah, it does feel like, where did this come from? This fucking accent, this like Yosemite Sam accent that he's doing. And also just to speak about the writing for that character, that first scene with him and Will Smith, where they're lobbying, they're just shy of saying slurs at one another. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, could you where go like, into, could you? Where like Will Smith is like, like, like Kenneth Branagh's almost basically saying something racist to him. And then like, oh, Will yes, Smith is yes, 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 many, yes, many yes. allusions to how small he is. Yeah. It feels really weird. And I like, I don't, yeah, Branagh's doing some crazy shit here in a way that I don't even, I can't even comprehend. I have two pieces to contribute to our previous conversations on this film. I can't believe I'm footnoting our own show. Um, <laughs> but in terms of the kids stuff, what audience was the Will Smith ad libs about being a slave? Uh, yeah. Where was that for the children? That went on so long. That, what am I going to make of that? I felt like that whole bit was 10 minutes long. I was like, I'm, I cannot escape this moment. I am trapped here. I couldn't believe this was in a quote unquote kids movie. And I mean, if he had said it once or twice, like the first time I was like, whoa, like what kind They're of movie going is this there? Be? Yeah. I was like, wow. Cause you know, the time and the place and his role and you're like, oh, but then it turns out like, oh, there's no, not that I thought that this was the place to have a, a, a discourse around the Freedman movement, et cetera. But like, damn, I thought they were going to do a little something, a little something. Didn't I also thought that, but then I was like, do we want Barry Sonnenfeld being the one doing that commentary? (laughs) Exactly. Right. The second thing I wanted to bring up is that George Clooney was going to play Kevin Klein's role originally and dropped out. That would have been pretty good. I'm not going to lie. That would have been, I don't know. I mean, it would have been a different movie. He's really handsome. Yeah. He's, it would be a different movie for sure. Cause they'd both be equally hot. I feel like at this time I have two other big, you know, crimes to hold against this movie. And I should start with the one, I guess that's most applicable. I said the wheel was homophobic. So is this movie, baby. The amount of gay jokes are uh, many numerous. Yeah, but that's, I, I, I'm not defending this at all. No, I know. I, it's of its time in the worst way possible. But it was so prevalent. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I know. It's just, I couldn't believe the one of that's like the blowjob joke where the magnet yes. gets stuck to the belt. I was, I was astounded. I was like, that is insane. And obviously the, inherit transphobia with the drag sequences like it's yes. oh my god i the amount of drag kevin klein is in drag initially immediately in this movie i couldn't believe for most of it i would argue maybe there's Branagh a lot just, just when you think it's back brana uh, yeah i literally was like oh is the is the emotional crux 
going to be Will Smith finally does drag. And it was. And the idea that Branagh's character is sitting there about to execute someone and then a random like belly dancer shows up and that's not at all out of place to him. He's just like, ah, beautiful girl. Yeah. Why am I German? Ah, beautiful girl. I can't even do the voice. Like what is happening? I don't know anymore. Again, the death of cinema. Will we ever smile again? Sama Hayek, zero character development. Never seen Nothing. a less developed female character in my fucking life. It's like they forgot she was there. Nary a single personality trait. They want to fuck her. Actually, her dad's her husband. Bye. What? Oh, yeah. What is going on with the... Uh, like, I don't know, man. I'm just baffled. It's like they had to get the guys out of a love triangle somehow because they didn't feel like putting her with any... Why didn't they just put her with Will Smith? That's just, that's what these movies do. I understand that John Peters, based on what I know about John Peters, the producer, which is only from the Kevin Smith Superman YouTube video, which I really wish I had linked you to before this episode. um, I could totally understand him not wanting the Cowboys to seem gay, especially with the drag stuff and forcing them into this love triangle. Kevin Klein and Salma Hayek? Nothing between Nothing. them. Even Nothing. Even Will Smith and Salma Hayek, not a whole not lot. Not a lot. Salma is a great actress. She's not giving a lot here, Salma but Hayek I don't think she's given a lot. in the world of this lot. film, like, she is not doing a lot. And that's not... We love Salma Hayek. But, like... It's not her fault. It just sucks so hard. Which of the, which of the Barbies in this film had the hypnotic titties? <sighs> wow. Because once that happened, I was like, we're here in hell. We're here in here hell. Here we are. We're here. Did, we're burning. I did laugh when the hypnotic thing broke and she had to slap it to make it. <laughs> God, this movie is fucking wild. Did you like when they stole the Austin Powers? It's a it's a man baby joke, right? Did you love when they stole that no, right out from Austin what? Powers? The time that? at the party in the middle of the film when, when Will Smith... Go, sorry, oh, I almost said Bruce Willis. Yes. But when he he's yes, talking yes, yes, to yes, this yes. woman and the woman has the hair and the dress and everything, but yes. is just a woman and he doesn't realize yes. that. That's my mother, Austin. That's my mother. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's and do, doing the patty cake, the bongos on her titties. I, I was, there's a lot happening in this film. Again, that's, that's little, that hilarious Will Smith improv. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god he's so funny yeah the there's a lynching scene in this movie jesus christ i was trying i was kind of save it for popcorn to be honest because sorry I like we're going you, there. you just reminded like, me of it <laughs> the lynching scene is like i don't know man i don't what know what kind of again like what kind of movie is of this, this film did will yeah. come on set and was like like what if we did this a lot of this movie feels like a loose string of sketches of like improv ideas can i tell you that a majority of my uh popcorn notes are positive isn't that weird i have a couple of uh like i thought that was funny Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. should we pop some corn let's pop some corn let's let's fucking go (laughs) fucking our the pedal is to the metal baby so already in my notes, I clocked the tone is just a disaster. The spider stuff getting dropped right away is really great. 
like the spider stuff happening already. All of the spider stuff in the film feels like a joke against the producer, John Peters, who just for people who don't know, uh, Kevin Smith did a series of, of like Q and a lectures that have become very well known. And in one, he talks about the making of Superman lives, which would have been this uh, fifth Superman movie in the nineties. This is the one that eventually a couple steps down the road, it was going to be Tim Burton directing Nicolas Cage as Superman. So if you've heard about that project, this is kind of the beginning of that. And John Peters, one of his big things was like, I mean, the the joke of it was he obviously didn't get Superman, LOL. He can't fly. He can't wear the suit. He uses the F slur to describe a gay person to talk about the suit. Um, Cheese. This is awesome, which is what led me to believe, like, oh, maybe he's just like so homophobic having been Barbara Streisand hairdresser for years and then lover and business partner for years longer than that. Uh, maybe he's just sensitive about his sexuality. Huh? <laughs> Funny. Uh, but his big thing was the giant spider. He loves the giant spider. The spider is one of the deadliest creatures in the animal kingdom. He told Kevin Smith. And uh, the big, the big punchline of the Superman video is that two years later, he saw wild, wild West and wild, wild West is a movie that is all about spiders. So very funny. Got that out. Boy, oh boy. Joke about ramming a man's personal things into a hole. Who's this movie for? Shout out mm-hmm. to production designer Bo Welch returning from his directorial <laughs> debut with Cat in the Hat. Kevin's, Kevin Klein's big entrance was in drag. Yep. And I thought the editing of the opening sequence was like horrendous. Like I looked away for two seconds and we were deep in the Kevin Klein stuff when the Will Smith stuff was like in the process of happening, but in a very awkward way that didn't flow at all and prevented me from connecting with the movie, period. Uh, I wrote in my notes that it's the anti-minority report where minority (laughs) report very elegantly put the pieces together and let you explore and then reminded you throughout. This movie is just like, eh, maybe Will Smith will be funny. Who knows? And that's the setup. I, I just think that's absurd. Um, lamenting the steampunk stuff wasted on Barry Sonnenfeld. Real bummer. Again, like this really could have been cool, but instead it feels yeah. like a, a movie designed for a Burger King kids club meal to be designed around it. So a couple of similarities to Austin Powers, the etching of a piece of paper. Well, no, this isn't Austin Powers, but it's an ADP connection. The etching of a pad to reveal what's been previously written there returns from the Big Lebowski. (laughs) And then there are a couple, I pointed out the Austin Powers, you know, that's a man, man. And then there's the fembot kind of sidekicks that Kenneth Branagh has. There's a little bit of Austin Powers in this movie. You're looking for it. Um, The giant Lincoln thing. I loved this like introduction of Kenneth Branagh where... (laughs) It's like this giant exploding Abraham Lincoln and he comes out of it with that stupid accent. I thought that was so great. Um, Love seeing Ted Levine as McGrath, the dude with the phonograph hearing aid, which was very cool. Mm -hmm. What is going on with this extremely sexual machine Brana built? Uh, Here's something I thought was stupid. Hey, we're being chased by giant spinning blades. I know what we'll do. Let's run into the cornfield. I don't understand the plan, personally. I was completely baffled by the character Arliss Loveless, and that's his name. But that must have been an old old name. You know what I mean? Arliss Mm -hmm. Loveless is a great TV character name. It sticks in your head like that. 
I loved when Ulysses S. Grant said, fine looking spider you got there. I thought that was great. Um, at the end, they wanted it to be like the end of Men in Black, where they're a team and they go off into the sunset. But mm-hmm. and, and I did, of course, say, fuck you, as I do all, all the time when movies endings are unearned. However, what if the second movie opens with them rolling up on the big spider? I think yeah. the potential there is really great. <laughs> uh, but that's my corn. My corn, the whiplash I got from the film starting out with like a saw trap death, like a full ass saw trap mm-hmm. decapitation into this faux James Bond Western opening thing that is so weirdly edited into that insanely sexual opening. I, the whiplash I just continued to get in the first five minutes alone was severe. The burning through the eyes, the like, the like, I presumably cutting a hole in the back of this man's head to create a projector out of his decapitated head. Oh my god, horrifying, but kind of sick as shit. Like, kind of the sickest thing in this movie. That's the thing, there's so much, but it's too adult, it's too adult, it's so scary. And I wrote, this is where I wrote, I don't hate the idea of the steampunk western, but it's not consistent, and the tone of the film ruins anything that could be cool in it. Because the guy in the painting was cool, I wrote. The guy uh, when Biling is like trying to seduce Will Smith and the painting comes to life and it's a guy with a gun. Like, I thought that would look cool as shit. That, that was a cool illusion for me. Um, I, I loved his squad of hot women who are smart. Uh, they're just, they're like fucking putting in numbers and data and shit with the guns. I thought that was so funny. One of those women is played by Musetta Vander. I don't know if I'm saying that name correctly, but I was sitting there going uh, like, she's just the the main one kind of, she's insanely gorgeous. I was sitting there being like, why do I know this woman? Why do I know her? I've never, I've seen a film she's in. What's going on? Connected it for my Buffy fans out there. She is the hot teacher in season one, episode four teacher's pet, where she is a deeply hot teacher who, Xander tries to make out with, and she is actually a giant praying mantis who tries to kill him. This is what show? Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> I gotta get on that, man. Season that sounds like one. A lot of fun. That's OG season. Season one. Wow. The first season is so scrappy and great, and that's an episode people hate, but Musada Vander's on it. <laughs> so there you go. When are we watching Buffy? When are we watching Buffy? I have the box set. Um, I did like his. God, it was my favorite show in college for a very, very long time. It's complicated because of Whedon, but you know. Um, oh, so I loved the "Go to hell, sir!" After you, sir, and then the gun shoots at the back of the wheelchair. Thought that was cool. Uh, them trying to have this emotional moment with Will Smith at the bodies was so cringy and funny to me. Um, I said the lack of character development in Salma's character is almost admirable because I don't know how they managed to have that little character development it's actually i mean it's it's a feat almost love that this all builds up to the establishment of the secret service i guess <laughs> so uh ridiculous. and then the song this the song is fun i listened to it at the, the credits and the song is fun it's fine that was probably the biggest uh positive to come out of this movie right because wasn't this a popular ish song it was a popular song which is weird because the movie is so horrible. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. But hey, way to go! That's my corn, baby. Yep, 
just uh again i'm really i'm sorry guys i'm just trying to keep it together here while we go through the motions um <laughs> i find this movie impossible to discuss i did not yeah. think uh this was any good but like not in that fun way that you would want i am in fact after watching this movie and thinking about madam webb over the weekend i'm like are bad movies even fun like are is so bad it's good even a thing and i increasingly I, I begin to come up empty maybe it's because we're watching shit like north and this movie where like they're famously really bad but like i'm not having fun i'm mm. not having fun but but it is not listen it's an offensive movie but its existence is not offensive so i have to give it one star I'm saving there my half go. stars for films through about which I have a specific agenda. So one star Kenzo. One star. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a movie that you, that make like I was thinking about like, should I give it to because North feels like the pun intended North star for one star films. And then it got to the end and I said, there was, uh, there's nothing good about this movie. So it's not even worth a star. I don't know. It's just, yeah, it sucks. I get it. Pedal to the metal, Kev. Let's do our little show. I, I love, love gold. gold. Listen, this movie, though, let me tell you, the Razzie Awards. Oh, boy. This was like the centerpiece of the 1999 Razzies with one notable exception. Or for a couple notable exceptions, actually. Uh, going through the list here, they won Best Picture. Oh, okay. So Kevin Klein lost that worst actor. He lost it to Adam Sandler in Big Daddy, which is a good performance. Okay. So I don't understand. Um, they won Barry Sonnenfeld, one worst director. They won worst original song. They were the only nominee. Oh my God. They won Kevin Klein and Will Smith, one worst screen couple. The army of 10 million men who wrote the screenplay. One worst screenplay. Army of 10 million men. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, Salma Hayek and Kevin Klein lost worst supporting actress to Denise Richards as Christmas Jones in The World Is Not Enough. Um, that's the movie where Christmas comes twice. Uh, she's horrendous in it. Uh, no disrespect. She's great in Starship Troopers, but that's because she's being weaponized. I hate to say. So I don't Ooh, know. Oh, jeez. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, Kenneth Branagh lost to Ahmed Best for Worst Supporting Actor as Jar Jar Binks. Oh, and uh, mm. Kevin Klein is in Worst Actress because of the drag. Ha, 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 ha. Get it? Dumb. They won Worst Picture. Did I mention that? You did. You said Best okay, Picture, right. actually. <laughs> Whatever. I just, they won I've worst decided picture. to go with it. Here, here at the Razzies, Crazy Train is a, just a song about a regular train. <sighs> uh, the Kids' Choice Awards, Wild Wild West, the song won favorite song from a movie. And Will Smith was nominated for favorite movie actor, but lost to Adam Sandler for Big Daddy. Also in the category, Robin Williams for Bicentennial Man. And, oh, Speaking of movies that maybe children shouldn't know about, Mike Myers for Austin Powers and The Spy Who Shagged Me. Mm-hmm, baby. Very weird. At the Blockbuster Awards, oh boy, Salma Hayek won Favorite Supporting Actress Action. 
category. Okay. Sure. Which is okay. So <laughs> IMDb is saying that two songs were nominated for be- favorite song from a movie. One of which title song Wild Wild West. But the other is Bailamos by uh, Enrique Iglesias. Okay. Is that song in Wild Wild West and we just didn't spot it? I don't think I so. I think it's like at the it's after Will Smith's song in the credits, I think. God, talk about a song that uh <laughs> is bigger than the movie. Holy moly. That's I Love Gold. That's the gold that the movie won. Sorry, bad host over here didn't tell you what the segment was. <laughs> Moving on now to the Alan Parsons project, the segment where we take the movie of the week and we tie it into the Austin Powers trilogy. Obviously, Luis Tulio, Malcolm McNabb. Oh, you bet they were in the room, baby. Over a certain budget amount, <laughs> you know you got to get McNabb and DeTulio. Um, But also some people who we've already seen. I mean, Will Smith, of course, um, wrote Just the Two of Us for Shagged Me. So that's the link there. He will always wow. link. Yeah. All of his work will always link. Uh, Pat Romano from the stunt department, uh, Gabriel Hardman from the art department, Cliff McLaughlin also in stunts, Chuck Hart also in stunts, Clay Boss also in stunts, my God. But all these people, all these names are familiar. I've called them all out before. Here they are again. Kate Lumpkin in sound. What a great name. What a great name. What a great name. Um, Last person I guess I'll call out is Bradford Ralston, who will bring us one day John Carter. Hell yeah. Oh, I can't wait for the John Carter episode, man. Talk about a movie that sits between Goat and Death of Cinema. Will we ever smile again? John Carter. <laughs> there you are. You're over there. We have one you over there. Kev, as you oh, mentioned brother. earlier, our dear trainer sent us in a letter saying, give it a wild, wild rest. Hi, ADP. It's your boy, Trainer. When it comes to movies, and specifically Kenny B movies, I really try my best to find the silver linings and reasons to enjoy them. Wild Wild West, however, is not one of those movies. This movie is atrociously bad from start to finish for many reasons I'm sure you both already hit on during the show. I just wanted you and the listening public to know that even not my love for the Branagh cinematic universe can save this movie. Anyway, love you both. Just wanted to drop by. Best trainer yeah thanks trainer i mean what can you say it's not good that's the thing is we got the official okay from the the kenny b stand so i feel like we can all freely hate it now you know my soul feels at rest yeah i feel calm now i feel like really we can we can focus on the real on what really needs to happen which is hating this movie (laughs) well the book is closed kenzo we've done it we took letters. Hey, if you want your letter read on the show, AustinDangerPodcast at gmail.com. Send us words. We will read them. Send us an Send audio message less than 90 seconds long. We will play it and respond to it. We want to hear from you. We're also on Letterboxd and Instagram. Baby, yeah. <laughs> but all of this to say it is time now for Mackenzie to please deliver us from evil and bring us the next film. Uh, just as a programming <laughs> note, our next episode, if you could believe it, <laughs> Deliver us from <laughs> finish it. Finish it. <laughs> Deliver us from evil. You couldn't. I yeah. We had to do that, Kev. You just kept those moving. Eyes, those horrible <laughs> yellow eyes. 
Can we put Spider-Man 1 and 2 back on the wheel? And I'll yeah, we need to do those movies again. God, I have my I think... eyes on a 4K set. I need to be grabbing very oh, soon. Oh, yeah. I got to pick that up myself. Yeah, uh, we need to do those movies again. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's time now to finish it. And uh, please give us the next film. I am looking. Oh, I'm seeing. Okay. I was trying to see if my dear, my dear Kev had a rating for this film and it seems like you do. So you've seen this. I have not. Um, we have covered this director before, I believe in a very special episode that did not link to Austin Powers. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my God. Returning to John Carpenter. But so here's, here's the deal. Here's the problem. Yeah. What's up? So earlier, this whole episode has been about the two bins, right? One bin is the goats. The other (laughs) bin is the death of cinema. John Carpenter happily sits in both bins. So that, this is a major problem. Is it going to (laughs) be vampires or is it going to be, uh, uh, the thing. I don't know. Go ahead. Lay it on me or keep going. Give me some more clues. Okay. You want a clue? Do you want an act? You want to, do you want an actor's name? I would like, uh, give me, yeah. Give me an actor's name. Kim Cattrall. Oh yeah. This is exactly what we need. This is exactly what Austin Danger podcast needs. Am I correct in assuming and guessing that our next film is John Carpenter's incredible big trouble in little China? It is is and i have never seen this movie ever in my life everybody be cool it's a satire you're gonna be (laughs) watching this movie i just want everyone to know this is a great movie it's closer to one bin than the other i'll say that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. closer to the former than the latter the little uh, ap style journalism test for (laughs) y'all um i know what you're gonna be thinking if you're first time watching this movie it's satire everybody knew what they were doing when they made it that's all I have to say. Go in with an open mind and an open heart. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it is a specific tribute to a very specific thing. But if you vibe with it, I, I think people will have a great time. So I'm very excited for this. I've never seen it. So my 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 mind is open. My heart is open. We're ready. So that's so a programming note. <laughs> should have said <laughs> yeah, this before you spun the wheel. Forgot. I meant to and then I got lost in the sauce of the buildup. I got lost in the sauce. Um, The next episode of Austin Danger Podcast is going to come out on March 10th. That's right. The Austins will be the next episode. Why? Because Mm -hmm. next week I will be, well, this week I will be in San Francisco for the Escape Hatch Dune 2 meetup. So if you're going to that, say hi, and you can get your own bite-sized episode of Austin Danger Podcast right there, or half of it at least. And then we'll just play some Mackenzie. I'll make a soundboard of some Mackenzie reactions and we can play <laughs> pretend. So that's exciting, but that means there is no Austin pod next week. And we will see you on the 10th for the Austins. And then on the 18th, we'll be doing Big Trouble in Little China. So very oh, excited. Oh, yes. I was about to say, yes, you got, the, you got it down. Down pat. But until then, for Kenzo, this is Kev. Austin Digit Podcast, peace. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Austin Danger Pod. This episode was mixed and edited by me, Mackenzie. Thanks for listening.